last, uh, last July into the first week of August, I was invited on a pastor's retreat. It's actually a pastor and leader's retreat. There were many of us, uh, or many of them that were there that are um, nonprofit, that have nonprofit organizations and business leaders. And I actually met uh, uh, two billionaires while I was there. Very cool, down to earth guys. They're younger than me, so I'm like, well, how'd this work out? But, <laughs> but to be sure, I was rubbing elbows with those guys as much as possible. No, I didn't. But um, I was invited by a pastor friend. If you remember, if you were here when we did the uh, building dedication, he came that Sunday with his wife, Wendy. His name is Darren Davis. And he invited me down. He actually paid the way. It was several thousand dollars for me to go. I just had to get my own flight. And the church took care of that. Thank you so much. It was a nice and very needed retreat. Um, it was an in-between time when I was leaving, uh, being a project manager for Thomas Builders and uh, going into ministry, uh, going into ministry more, and specifically with to get this building and things that needed to happen and do some private contract work uh, to free up some time. But while I was there, he said to me uh, that he invited, uh, he's got a church in southern Florida, and he invited a consulting company to come in, and he said, how can we uh, get the word out about our church and make the church grow and things like that? Now, I personally believe, according to Acts, that G the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit added to the church daily such as should be added. And so I believe that adding to the church is the, is the primary responsibility of the Holy Spirit, however he uses people. Peter was preaching, you know, the disciples were spreading the word, and so it is our job. And he said he had a consulting firm at the cost of several thousand dollars a day that came in and sat, listened to some of their meetings and were in their services, and they looked at him and said, well, I'm going to ask you right now, what is the mission statement of your church? And I'm going to give it to you because there are some of you here that may or may not know it, but I'm going to read it to you so that you know. It's not very long. We actually thought we were going to have it up on the uh, wall out there and not exactly sure what happened, but that, didn't, that has not been followed through with yet. So we'll, uh, we'll get that. This is the mission statement of Truvine. Does anybody know it by heart? And that's a problem. It's not your fault. It's not a fault at all, but it's an issue. If somebody were to ask you what Truvine is about, you need to be able to tell them. And so this is the mission statement. We endeavor to be a family who receives and distributes the goods of our God-given inheritance right here on earth in our everyday lives. We are a multi-generational, multicultural church with a passion for our community, our country, and the nations of the earth. Our church culture is marked by our passionate worship, pursuit of the presence of God, and love and honor for ourselves and for others. We endeavor to help our generation discover its true identity as sons and daughters of a living, loving God. That's great. Can you repeat it back to me? No. No, you can't. But here's what you can repeat back to me. So Darren says to me, after we, were leaving, uh, we were leaving Montana, driving to a place called Cody, Wyoming, through Beartooth Pass. Anybody ever heard of it? Beartooth Pass is one of the most visited places. Have you been there, Miss Vicki? It's so beautiful, is it not? As a matter of fact, it's only open a couple of months a year because it's, uh, the altitude is so high and there's always snow there. Um, but it's, uh, we went in, I actually stayed in a cabin from uh, one of the guys who was an actor in the movie Tombstone. You know that movie? If you don't know that movie, you're, you're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. Totally kidding. Uh, but there's one of the guys that was in that movie, and he was actually also a regular on an old uh, Western show called Gunsmoke. And his name is Bill, and for the life of me, I can't remember his last name right now, but we stayed in his cabin, and it was hot as the sixth circle of hell in that place. It was 123 degrees. That's legit. And so I went outside to sleep on the porch, and uh, that's what Darren was talking about when he was here when I was sneaking out the kitchen window. And uh, he said, you can't do that. There are grizzly bears out there. And I said, they can eat me. It's too hot in here. <laughs> 
But he says to me on this long ride, he says, Josh, what is, the, uh, what is your church about? He, had sort of, he knew me, but didn't know the church, and I talked to him for a while, and he said, uh, told me about this consulting firm. And they said, you need to be able to say within one statement what the mission and what your church is about. And he said, so they prayed about it and sat in it and had some uh, meetings about it, and they came up with the phrase, um, transformed people, transforming culture. A good friend of mine who has a church in Wilkesboro, Dan Kiesler, uh, was also a part of our conversation. We were having the conversation, and he was there with us uh, in the back seat of the vehicle. And, uh, and he, they actually came up with one called Faith, Hope, and Family from Faith, Hope, and Love. I think it's great. And, uh, but I'm not, I really try to be spirit-led, and I believe when the Lord wanted me to have something. Some things are taught, some things are caught, and some things the Lord just drops in my spirit. And I was pressure-washing my pool deck this past week. And out of nowhere, the Lord dropped this to me. And I thought you might like it. I'm going I'm to share a little bit about this today. Um, like I said, I'll try to get you out. But here's what we're about. Life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. Life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. You might or may not know the Declaration of Independence has a phrase in it that is very similar to this. Um, I was not thinking about the Declaration of Independence, although I think it's a wonderful document. I was not thinking that July 4th, the day that we celebrate our Declaration uh, of Independence from Great Britain, comes up on this Thursday. How many people are going to have some fireworks and some hot dogs? And some, you should celebrate. If you don't celebrate, then uh, find somebody that does and go enjoy theirs. Go watch some fireworks with your kids. Um, I was simply pressure washing, and it came to me again and again, life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. And so we're going to have some shirts made, and we're going to have some... Uh, uh, stickers and vinyl pill-offs and stuff made. So when we have those and bumper stickers, uh, get some. Wear the shirt. Let people know what we're about. On July 4, 1776, the Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence. The following paragraph is taken from that very important document in our country's history. United States has been, had been under the rule of Great Britain, and much of the Declaration mentions the impropriety, improprieties of King George III laying out the reasons for an independent United States of America. If you've not read the Declaration of Independence, you probably should do that. I'm sure it's not taught in schools anymore, um, but it should be. You know, you should learn uh, about our history. And I didn't know, but the, I didn't remember, I should say, until I read it again this morning, how many of the improprieties of King George are mentioned in the Declaration. It goes on and on and on and on about all the things that this tyrant... That this, that this man who had become a tyrant had taken advantage of people that he had no relationship with. Aren't you glad we're not in a kingdom that has a tyrant that doesn't have a, a, any relationship with us, but we live in a kingdom that is a monarchy, but it's, it's, it's ruled by our Father. And because he loves us, he's made us also to be kings and priests. Amen. So not a preachy message today, but something needs to be laid out. We're just about to celebrate that independence from the bonds of foreign rule in four days. I don't normally preach about American holidays is they often do not go inside or have much to do with the kingdom of heaven. I'm not against them. I just don't, you know, on Easter, uh, or I should say on uh, Labor Day and Martin Luther King and all that stuff, I think those are wonderful days, but I do not, you know, I don't live my life based on the, the holidays that we celebrate as a country. I live my life based on uh, the rule of the king in the kingdom. We, are, we live in a kingdom. And in that kingdom are many nations. I've, I had the fortunate pleasure of visiting many of those countries as a very young boy. So I got a, I, as a 20-year-old, I consider that young. So I got a world vision as a very young boy. I wasn't just an American Christian. I understood that God loves people that I never even had seen or thought about before. I remember sitting with my, my Walkman. You know what a Walkman is? Yeah. You guys don't know what a Walkman is. We'll teach you later. Had a Walkman. 
I had just upgraded to, instead of the cassette type, the CD type. As a matter of fact, I borrowed it from my brother-in-law, Daniel. He never got it back. And I, so that's what, that's what you do with family. You know when you borrow stuff and they never get it back? It's just, it's cool, you know. And I was listening to an old song by a group called For Him, and the song was Center of the Mark. Does anybody know that song? Draw back your bow. And I was listening to it, and it, because, I had, because I had flown, and they were 11 and a half hours ahead of where we were, I was not tired at about 5 o'clock in the morning. And so, because to me that was still 5 in the evening, I'm sitting out and I'm watching this, these Indians. Um, they're building a, a, a stone wall. And they have old trials and uh, old tools and mason tools. And I thought, I've never thought about this man one time in my life. He's never crossed my mind. And yet he's not lived one second and not breathed one breath without the Lord having his watchful eye on him. And I was listening to that song and I thought, oh my God. And, I, and I got, the Lord began to put inside of me a love for people of other countries, of other colors, of other cultures. And I mean, it's a very, I just barely had turned 20. I wasn't two months into being 20 uh, when it happened. Uh, three, three months. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm for American holidays, but I'm not American first. I'm Christian first. And by Christian, I don't mean what we call Western Christian. I mean I'm Christ-like, at least I endeavor to be. And that's the name that I wear. But it is uh, the most recognizable paragraph from the Declaration of Independence is this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Lord dropped into my heart life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. Uh, I was not thinking about it. Uh, but I want you to be able to tell people when you go about, this is what True Vine is about, life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. Let's talk about those just briefly. John 10, 10. John 10, 10. I'm going to skip over a lot. The thief comes only to steal, you know this one, and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, just to be very clear, if you were to read John 10, 1 through 9, the thief that's mentioned here is not what we think of as the devil. You should read it. The thief is a works program. The thief is trying to, live under the, trying to live in a new covenant, keeping the rules and laws of the old covenant. But that's for another day. The bottom line is the thief, anything that steals your true identity, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came, but the King James says it in, a, in the ever-present now, I am come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, the Passion Translation, the same, same verses. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, Life in its fullness until you overflow. Wow, life. Life in the Greek here is the word zoe. It is not, as some suppose, simple biology. It's not just living and breathing. All of us have that. If you walked in or you were pushed in or you came in on crutches, however you came in today, you came in with that life. You're a living being. But that's not what we're talking about. Jesus did not just come that you could be simply a living being. He came to give you zoe life. Zoe life. There is a very distinct definition to the word life given in this context, and here it is. Zoe in John, here's, uh, in John 1, 4. In him, talking about Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Greek word here, Zoe, refers to the uncreated, eternal life of God, the divine life uniquely possessed by God and his family. 
Jesus says, I am come that you might have the same exact quality of life that God himself has. My goodness. Now, have you ever thought of God getting sick or getting depressed or being unwell or being? A, no, you don't think of him that way. You think of God as being complete and whole and completely secure in his identity. Jesus says, I have come so that you can be just as complete in your identity and secure in your identity as the Father is in his identity. My God, I came to give you Zoe life. I came to give you life and I came to give it to you so that it's overflowing, which is to say you're going to have so much of it that it's going to flow over into other people so they can also partake of the Zoe life and be secure in their identity. My God, life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. We are about Zoe life. We're about the life of God literally breathing into us his very breath, the Ruach, his life, his breath. Yeah. Told you I wasn't going to preach. I'm trying to calm her down. Pull it back into third gear. I'm, I'm, we're going to take off in a minute, maybe. It's really, really, really blessed me this morning to see Josh Williamson walk in these doors. I love you, Josh. I mean that. The uncreated, eternal life of God, life that is real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, I'm, I'm reading straight from the lexicon, devoted to God, life that comes directly from God, abundantly, or parisos means over and above, more than is necessary, super added. My goodness, I came to give you such of my life that you wouldn't be able to contain it. You remember that the Bible says that, that would men give into your bosom? You remember this? Anybody remember? Amen. That's what he came to give us. I don't see a whole lot of people living in that, but I do see a people that have, that have, that have, that have taken a taste of it and said, oh, I need some more of that. I really believe that that's what this church has done. You think that you've eaten and it said at his table. You've barely even touched an appetizer for what's coming to you. I mean, I mean, did you, did Jesus, he was, think about the life of Jesus. He never, one of the things, and this comes back to me because I know many people here struggle. Jesus never worried about money. Not one time. There are some arguments that at the time that he was born that there was a caravan of 1,200 camels that began to bring with wise men, not three uh, not that there were three gifts mentioned, but there were many wise men that brought camels and provided for him for the rest of his life. You don't need a treasurer, as Judas was, if you don't have no treasure. <laughs> I know he, he that was rich became poor, but, he became, but that's, it's not talking about money. Believe me, Jesus becoming a human so that he could taste of death, so that he could relieve us all of the chains of death, that's becoming poor. But that's for a different day. Life. He came to give us Zoe life. Life and love, 2 Corinthians 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard it. In fact, we've become so familiar with it that we almost forget how potent and powerful it is. But I'm going to read it to you. Noah, what in the world did you do? Your hip. I saw something about your hip. It's fractured. Get on your crutches and come up here real quick. Or if you don't need to use them, that's fine. He was, you were at the Boy Scout camp as a counselor, right? That's what it was. He got tired of it and wanted to get out of it, didn't it? 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know he wanted to be there. Which one is it? Left? It's kind of what I felt too. The crutch is in my way. You're going to have to move it. In the name of Jesus, I declare healing and health into his hip right now. Fracture, you are to be made every whit whole according to the word that speaks to you right now. It's, it's, my, it's my mouth, but it's the voice of my father speaking, saying, be healed and whole. You said, Jesus, that you gave us authority. You said that by your stripes we were healed. With your stripes we are healed. The scripture says that healing is the children's bread. And you said that you would arise with healing in your wings. And right now I declare this bone to be healed. That there would be no symptoms beyond this day. No symptoms of pain. Nothing that would last uh, beyond this day. But that he would, he would be able to live and walk without a lamp in Jesus' name. Amen. Noah. Boy. Mama, teach him how to walk. How old are you? Look, here's how, here's how you do it, man. Life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. If I speak in the tongues of men or, angel, of men or angels, 1 Corinthians 13, but I do not have love, I am only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, I love that. So if God is love... Does that mean God keeps no records of wrongs? Are you telling me God doesn't have a heavenly chalkboard in the sky marking down every time he did something right and then an X every time he did something wrong? That's exactly what I'm telling you. There is, he keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I taught, this is what he's talking about, immaturity. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I want to be, make a very clear distinction. Paul is not talking about something that's going to happen to him in the sweet by and by. He's talking about what happens as a result of maturity. When I was a child, I speak like a child, I understand like a child. But when full maturity comes, and I look in the mirror, I can see like Simba sees. you got to go see that movie, man. How many people are excited about Lion King coming out? I mean, I, everything to me is about God. I look, <laughs> I, when, when Simba in, in the cartoon and the monkey says, no, look hard. You know, he looks and then he sees the face of his father in his own reflection. And the father says, remember who you, James Earl Jones, thank God they got him coming back doing Mufasa. He's the only true <laughs> I, that, that movie speaks to me. It speaks to me. So can you imagine the fathers wanting you to look and as you mature and see yourself as you truly are and not as you think you are, but as you truly are. And when you see yourself as you truly are, it's because you see him as he truly is. And how is he truly except completely and utterly in love with you, completely and utterly was willing to give away everything to have a relationship with you. And when you see that, then you can love yourself. 
And when you love yourself, then you can love your neighbor. And when you love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you walk in full maturity. And you walk in full maturity, completeness comes, then we put away the baby stuff. Amen. A whole lot of baby stuff going on in what we call church. You're still a part of the family. Nobody said you weren't, but it's time to grow up. Can I stand up on the stage as a 41-year-old papa and tell you it's time to grow up? There's a whole lot of stuff that is assigned to your life that's not coming to you until you mature. Whoa. I really feel this heavily right now. It's not even in my notes, but I'm going to tell you right now. There's a whole lot of stuff that you've been praying and begging God for that, one, you thought he forgot about you. Worse yet, you thought he didn't hear. Or third, you begin to question if he ever even listened. And the truth of it is, it's already been released to you, but you're never going to get it until you grow up, until you're mature, you're not getting it. David, is he in here? Is David in here? David, run down here. Slide down that rail, man. No, don't do that. You'll need his crutches. <laughs> a bunting wood, too. God, a bunting wood. And, and maybe Augustine. <laughs> Hop up here. Now, I bought, the Lord blessed me with that truck a few weeks ago. If David comes to me after church, and they actually do, they have audacity. <laughs> if David comes to me after church and says, Dad, I, I really... Uh, I know you got to tear down, you got to turn the lights off, you got to say, say goodbye to everybody and make sure everything's turned off. If it's okay, I'm just going to get in your truck and drive it home. Now, what do you think I'm going to do? That's exactly what I'm going to I'm not going to tell him no. I'm going to look, I'm like, have you lost your ever-loving mind? You're not driving my truck home. You want to get home that bad, you can walk or you can ride a bike. And I probably wouldn't let you ride a bike with the crazy people the way they drive these days. I ain't going to let you do that either. Especially, don't even come to Stony Point on a bike. You, you're as good as hit. Because there ain't two things, there ain't but two things that happen at Stony Point. You make babies and you drink, apparently. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, I, in my house there have been 17 accidents in my front yard. And I ain't held my house but 15 years. 17 legit accidents. A couple of them were near death. I, don't, so don't tell me, I mean, there's got to be more to do. I, I pray DirecTV steps up their game. There needs to be more to do than make babies and drink in Stony Point. I curse the day that place was ever invented. What, would you laugh some? What in the world? My God, you're stiff as a dead person. Wake up. Laugh. Jeez. If David comes and asks me, Daddy, that truck, and I, let's just say I told David, David, that truck's yours. He actually told me, I, is it the truck or the FJ? I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm 41 years old. My kids are divvying up my stuff like I'm about to die. I get that guitar. I get that vehicle. I get that. I said, man, I, I am 41. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? 41. And David told me, he said, I guess the F, was the FJ of the truck? Sure. He said, the truck's mine. And I probably would give it to him if I was about to die, which I'm not. I've got at least 70 more years than me. Is he 120? Heck no, I've got 79 years left in me. I plan on being 120. And then I'm just going to walk away in, in, with Jesus. Well, you can go ahead and laugh. You can die if you want to. I plan on living for a long time. I'm doing everything I can say here. If I gave him that, that would be not just his fault when he wrecked and probably killed somebody else. It'd be, it'd be my fault. I'm too good of a father to give him the keys to that truck. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, big boy. You better grow some. But when you grow up, when you get some maturity, so Jacob, uh, good, off, get off the stage, you're done. Yeah. If there's ever been a mini Josh Bunton, bless his heart, that's the boy right there. He, uh, 
Jacob called his papa Mike last week and said, hey, that, that white convertible Thunderbird that you promised to give me, can I drive it tonight? It's a special night. And his papa said, have you lost your ever-loving mind? He literally said to him, you will never drive that car until you've ridden in it with me and then driven in it with me because I'm not going to have you wreck that even though it's, it is legitimately going to be Jake's probably just here in a few years. And that's what, as I'm trying to, it's the point I'm trying to make to you, there's a whole lot of stuff that's assigned to you already that's coming to you, and you ain't going to ever see it until you mature. What do you mean? Here's, here's a good for instance. Maybe the, 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 the thing you enjoy doing the most, that little gossip thing that you like doing, and you disguise it as, I'm, hey, I'm calling you because we need to pray about something. You ain't going to believe what she did. You're laughing because you know it's the truth. Hey, man, I mean, you ain't going to believe what, what Sally said to me. We need to pray. We're going to have to pray for her. You ain't trying to pray. You're a gossiper. You are a gossiper, and you're going to stay in that same predicament until you learn to shut up, stop talking about everybody, grow up a little bit, and get some maturity. For instance, if you have, I don't know anybody that does, if you have, a, like me, a family of 500 kids, I only have six, but they eat like they're 500 of them. And your light bill every month is, you know, it's going to be $300, and you got $350 in the bank. It might not be a good idea for you to go out tonight and spend $125 on dinner. That is immature. That is irresponsible. Yeah, you still love me, right? We do the same thing with spiritual principles. God, I pray that you heal me. I pray that you heal me. And you eat 17 pieces of cake when you leave, and your problem is cholesterol. And you eat fried chicken with it. I pray, well, the Lord would probably come back and say, stop eating so much chicken and cake. God, I hope they didn't. Y'all didn't serve chicken and cake at the ladies' thing last night, did you? God, help me. I'm just coming off the, please, God, tell me you didn't. It was, okay, cupcake. Well, don't eat 19 of them. Lord, I just pray that you help me, Lord. I really believe you. I fasted and prayed, and I didn't fast really, but I, I, fast, I fasted for two hours. <laughs> right after my lunch break, just before supper. <laughs> and uh, I pray, Father, that you help me. Hang on, Lord. I'm sorry, I had to finish that donut. I pray that you help me lose some weight. <laughs> Lord, help me lose. I know you can help me lose this weight, Lord. I know you can, hold on a minute, Lord. Let me get another donut. I'm going to get my Mountain Dew, too. <laughs> Foolishness. That is immature. The Lord does not love you any less. He will never love you any less. He completely and utterly still loves you, still accepts you. You're fully accepting the kingdom, but you're going to stay whatever size you are if you're going to have 19 donuts and 14 Mountain Dews every day. I can speak about Mountain Dew because I love that stuff. I really feel like God invented it. And the enemy somehow got a hold of it and made it unhealthy because it tastes like heaven, but it, but it does to your body what hell would do to it. We grew up on Mountain Dew. As a matter of fact, if you cut me or Tony Jr. when we were young, we would bleed yellow Mountain Dew. <laughs> I mean, it's the drink of the angels. It's the worst thing. My mother-in-law had a stroke when she was much younger, and the doctor asked her, what do you drink? She said, Mountain Dew. He said, that's the absolute worst thing you can put in your body. Did you know that? If you drink Mountain Dew, there's some of my coolers. I ain't judging you. Do, you do you, boo-boo. You, know? you do you. I'm, not, I'm just telling you, there's a whole lot that you beg God for, and it ain't going to come to you till you grow up. 
And growing up is realizing, you know what, maybe I don't need to pay, you know, $600 for my meal tonight. Maybe I should just, you know, go to the grocery store, spend 25 because I know my house payment and my car payment and my, and my light bill's coming up. That's called maturity. And when you learn to do so, that's a simple, very natural thing. It's the same thing with your bodies. It's the same thing in your spiritual life. Quit begging God for stuff that you could do alone by principle. You should probably underline that one. Just have some principle. Okay, will God help you? I have seen and I have believed and I know that it happens. Watch people that have done everything they could do and have tried their best. And, and I don't know if it's for, because of a body condition. I don't care if you're 100 or, or 1,900 pounds. I love you the same and God loves you the same. But I've watched God shrink people. That stuff does happen. I'm for that. I know there are some people, I just, I didn't want you to think I'm picking on, you know, the weight thing. It's just that I like Mountain Dew and I love donuts. You know this, man. Oh, my God. Who said it? Janice. This is a part of, this is some of the stuff that we got we to talk about. There's a whole lot of stuff that's already assigned to your life that will never be released until you grow up. How do we grow up? I've already told you. Stop gossiping. Stop getting on Facebook, acting like you don't want anybody, well, I'm just a private person, I don't really want anybody to know my business, but just stop. Erase the butt, erase everything else, and keep it off Facebook. Facebook was made for pictures, you know, and food and pictures of your dog. It's not about your drama. If you are willing to put all your drama on Facebook, you are not ready for what God wants to give you. I, I, I don't know which ones of you have. I'm sure all of us at some point have. If you're putting all your drama on social media on a daily basis and you actually think that God is going to release the abundance wealth of his kingdom to that kind of immaturity, you have lost your mind. Or maybe you never had it. Ooh, this is... Now, see, this is, this is a little more apostolic. This is sort of pastoring, but this kind of stuff has to happen. Sometimes I like to preach you happy, and sometimes you need to hear some truth. I want you to walk in the fullness, and I want you to walk in. But Paul, the Scripture even says, did you know this? The Scripture says that an heir of all things is exactly like a slave until he matures because nothing is going to be released to an immature son. Hmm. The pursuit of his presence. And now remain these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The central theme of the entire Bible is love. Finishing up. The pursuit of his presence. Here's our mission statement. I'm going to read it again, then I'm going to tell you what it means. True Vine Worship Center endeavors to be a family, family first, who receives and distributes the goods of our God-given inheritance, the goods of the kingdom, everything that Jesus paid for, the goods. It is your job. It's our job. It's our responsibility to distribute those. We believe that God still heals the sick. We believe that God still raises the dead. We believe that God still restores marriages. We believe that God still breaks addictions. We believe that the power of God by the Holy Spirit working through his anointed family is still here to bind up broken hearts. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're here about. We believe in that. We do not believe the work ceased. I can guarantee you they haven't because I've seen way too many of them happen. We are a multi-generational, multicultural church with a passion for our community, our country, and the nations of the earth. If you have a problem with a person because of the color of their skin, you are immature and you ain't getting nothing in God's kingdom. I could hit that one with a hammer. That is ugly. 
that is disgusting. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you have those problems, it's, and some of you have it innately because of the way you were raised, you need, you need to repent. Repent doesn't mean say, I'm sorry. Repent means turn and go the other way. You need to find you some people of color. And if you're a person of color and you don't have any pale friends, you need to find you some pale friends. I'm kidding. I've never had an issue with it. I was born, my father delivered me on Park Drive. I think it might have been a little better neighborhood than its, than its reputation gives it to it now. We had a church on the road off of Park Drive called Rayon Street for what, eight or ten years. My best friend when I was in kindergarten's name was Ty Johnson. My best friend in middle school, one of my best friends was Tion Bruner. As a matter of fact, we're still friends to this day. I got two kids. One of them is my little son. Where is he? Oh, he's back there. He's coming home with me today. Jewel's texted me last night before Zavion did. Did you know it? They come to Zavion. Jewel's texted me and said, Dad, can I come spend a week with you? And I said, yes. He said, come get me after church. I said, you need to get your sorry butt in church. But he don't have a car yet. So I'm going to pick him up, Antonio. So if you don't have, if you have a problem with people of color, you can forget about the blessings of the kingdom because you got, you got bigger issues than what God can give you. What he wants to give you is a clear mind and an open heart so you can love the people the way he does. Well, amen. Everybody doesn't think like you. Here's another thing too. It, oh man. Ooh, I'm just hitting, I'm just, I just figured what I'd do is line them all up and hit every single one of them. If you have a problem with a person because of their, uh, because of their, specific taste for politics or in politics, you have a problem. You don't have to agree with everything they say or everything they do, but you better learn to love them because they are going to be with you forever. They are your brothers. They are your sisters. And by and large, the United States has a political system right now that is doing everything it can on both sides of the aisle to divide us. I refuse to be divided by what the naysayers and the politicians say because what, what unites us will always be greater than what tries to divide us. Because what unites us is the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of division might run rampant in Washington, D.C., but I can promise you, in the halls of the kingdom of God, there is unity, there is liberty, and everyone is somebody in his kingdom. We're all one body. The Bible is very specific. We are one bread and one body. And when I get my loaf of bread, I like the white in the middle, and I love the brown crust around the edge. I like all of it. Slap some butter on it, make it real good and healthy. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. I've preached to all of them. I'm, I, I am a brother of color. The Lord just forgot to dip me in chocolate before I was born. I can tell you right now. I'm trying to tell you. I heard Kelly Varner say it, and I stole it from him. The Lord, the Lord was supposed to dip, but I'm a lot blacker than he is. He's not a good singer, and he is horrible on that saxophone. He thought he was good, but he was not good. But I know that I can sing, and I know I can play basketball, and I know that I can. There's a whole lot of stuff I can do. <laughs> I can know when to shut up and move on, too. Life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. We don't pursue his presence because he's not with us. But I still, in, in 15 years married to my wife, and I still pursue her. Although I know that she's mine and she knows that I'm hers and we're one and we're always going to be one, I still pursue her because I'm still completely and utterly in love with her and vice versa. She can't help herself. She was in love with me for two years before I even, before, before I was in love with her, at least before I willingly admitted I was in love with her. Yeah. It's true. I, I know. Did you just say? 
Who said what? Somebody said it real loud. She's, that hurt my feelings. What? <laughs> yeah, she totally pursued me. And then when, when I found out that this was Lord, Lord had for me, I pursued her and I haven't stopped. I don't plan on stopping. To pursue means to follow and try to catch or capture something or someone for usually a long distance or time. The pursuit of his presence is something we will always have as a church. Although I understand the revelation that we have all things, we still pursue his presence in the way that a wife or husband pursues the affection of their love and the attention of their beloved. We never feel that we are separated from him, but on the contrary, we pursue a more intimate relationship with him. That's what our pursuit is. Our pursuit is not as though he's not here. Our pursuit is I need more. And although we know we have all of him, I still want more. Because although we have all of him, we haven't necessarily received all of him. True vine is, is marked by life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. See, that wasn't too bad, was it? Everybody still breathing? Everybody still moving? How's the hip? He's, he's talking to Kelly. Hold on, I'll let you finish your conversation and then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. I have kids, so I get it. I tell them the same thing. How's your hip? Is it honestly good? Was it sore when you got here? It's been sore on and off? Are you medicated right now? You are? That's the only reason I excused you for talking to Kelly just a minute ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not excused, young lady. No. Let's all stand to our feet. I don't know what stand to your feet means. I like to say stand on your feet. My dad used to say stand to your feet, and I'm like, to your feet? That is the wrong preposition. Should be stand on your feet, right? Bill's on your feet. $6 more an hour. That, that adds up a lot when you're working 40, 50 hours, don't it? Praise the Lord. God bless you. How many other people would like to have a $6 an hour increase? Goodness. I just have it. God bless them with it. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for our, this church. We thank you for the massive uh, explosion of, that's coming, Father. You've already shown it to me. I know that we're preparing for it now, Lord. We're looking, Lord, to put our, to, to put our hands and fingers on those that will help us lead, that will walk, desti walk into their destiny and to walk into, their, into their assignments because there's no way that four, five, or ten can do all that needs to be done. I, I pray right now, Father, that as you... Uh, that as you begin to reveal who is to be in what position of leadership, that you would help us to be faithful, Lord, to do that, to be faithful in their training, uh, to be faithful, Lord, in all that you've called to us. We thank you, Lord, that this church is a church marked by life, love, and the pursuit of your presence. We thank you for blessing us with your presence this morning. We honor you. We love you. I thank you that we do live in a country where we are free. I thank you for the feeling I get every time that I fly back into the United States. Lord, I know there are a whole lot of preachers that are throwing off on the U.S. right now, and every one of them live here and enjoy their freedoms. I thank you for those freedoms. I thank you for the men that have fought and given, uh, the, played, paid the ultimate cost and sacrifice so that we could be here and live in a country where we are free. I pray right now, Father, that wisdom, Lord, begins to pervade the halls of justice in the United States, Lord, that you would begin to bring men and women of renown of your kingdom uh, that would walk into political circles, Father, that would not be possessed by the wicked political spirit that is possessed both on the Republican and Democratic side of the aisle, but that the Spirit of God would take over that place, would begin once again in the halls of justice, that the Holy Spirit would be invited back in, Lord, and that you would change our country until once again we are in love with you and we're in love with our people and that we're 
willingly, uh, willingly give um, to all that are in need. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Bless True Vine and help us, Lord, to be a light, a light in a dark world, Father. But I don't even believe the world's so dark. I believe it. it's called dark. But if you're the light of the world and now are we the light of the world, Lord, the bigger we get, the more light we shine. I pray, Father, that we would proudly shine that light in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.